up? It's the Music Podcast. It's Trippy Balls. I'm Doc, he's Peter. As always. Well, not as always, but as, as regularly. I mean, semi-regularly. As regular regularly. as you can be at our age. Yeah, I was going to say. Not quite metamucily regularly, but... Where shall we begin? I don't mind. Should, should we go Legacy first? Why not? Let's go Legacy first. Let's do Legacy first. So the, the Joker album for this week, so this is the conceit of this podcast, if you're new to the show, folks, is that uh, Bizo and I are old and washed. So we listen to new music in order to try and maintain some kind of failed misfiring synapses in the back of our brains to stop us completely atrophy. And we do this by listening to really old bands doing fucking... <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the conceit of this show, but... Um, we generally struggle to find legacy bands doing decent music because often we find that yeah. a band by the by the stage of let's take the, the, the example of Reef, which is the, the band that we have this week. Um, their first album came out in 1995, which I think was the year that you and I both finished high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty. That's yeah. correct. So um, <laughs> that was a long time ago. And if you're still capable of turning out something that, that sounds recognisably like um, vibrant and, and engaging music by this stage post your career, uh, you're doing you're doing okay. So, so did you find this successful? I found it successful, but in a disappointing way, in that I thought they had captured their sort of rock and roll vibe, but not that tinge of soulfulness that I associated with their most successful outings they're not really a, you know they're not really a, there's no real soul sort of part of their band but it's it's I think it's more in his vocal like in some of his elongated howls whereas this was a little bit more straightforward of a vocal I didn't expect this album to go as hard as it did yeah it definitely went hard this, yeah this, they were not fucking about. They decided they were going to give you everything they fucking had, which I have to respect because, you know, if they were releasing albums in 1995, that makes them older than us. So <laughs> That's right. Because they, they weren't graduating high school in 95, that's for no, sure. No, no, no. Their first, their first band was formed in the early 90s, so they're, they're late 40s at, at best. Um, this does have a little bit less of that well, it's a bit hard because your your memory is distorted by the fact that their biggest song was Place Your Hands, which is a very self-consciously solely kind of track. And yeah. I kept kind of... I had that kind of reaction to this is the same as you. I said, this is much more straight up, straight up and down rock and roll and loud. They are trying fucking hard on this. And I thought... Is, and then I thought back to the songs from Replenish and from Glow. Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. That I dig. And I remember thinking, yeah. but this actually is... This is this is in the meter of what they used to do. They're not. I mean, yeah. it's just uh, not what necessarily what, what you th- what you think of because your memory is distorted by by the fact that place your hands was such a big thing. But um, this is in the mix for legacy album of the year because this fucking this had no off oh. position on the fucking full volume switch. It was huge. Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? This album kicks ass. And if it wasn't a reef album, if this was just a band that had brought out an album like a straight rock and roll album right now I think I would actually be a lot uh, happier with it if they they brought this out as the sequel to the album that came out after Glow 
if this was like yes. their fourth album, yes. I, w- I would have gone, holy shit, I really like their direction. I really like where they've got. Yeah. If they'd released this album 20 years ago, I would have gone, holy fucking shit, this is cool. But- this is like, this is the Black Crows. And it does remind you that they did have a quite a lot of Black Crows in their repertoire. There's bits of this where they sound very Black Crowsy, and um, there's bits of, there's one of these tracks that sounds like it could have been off ACDC's last album. It's. Um, it is. It is. In places, it's cheesy and it's bombastic and it's a bit ludicrous. But they commit so hard to the bit that it's. I actually find it. I really, really like this album. I found myself, you know, a couple of plays in. I was singing along, doing backing vocals to his choruses, without even intending to. And I was like, "Fucking, um, what yeah. am I doing? I can't be doing this." But you know, they're doing it, so we're doing it. This is what we're doing. Yeah, so it, it's funny how that that one single and the sound of that one single. It is so uh, captivating. Defi- it's like yeah, it kind of defines your memory of them, even though they didn't yeah, do anything that, like that. No, not really. There's not like a whole album of of Place Your Hands, which is a little bit disappointing. Well, because- yeah, if anything, they sounded more. If you if you the album before, they were doing more. And I talked about it last week. It was almost more kind of funky kind of shit. It was almost like uh, I, mean, I hesitate to say to drop the, the name of the Chili Peppers in there, but it had a lot more kind of funk elements to it. So and even on um, even on Glow, so the second track off the album is called "I, I Would Have Left You," which is one of my favourite Grief songs, and it's more like Led Zeppelin. It's got this big spaced out. It's built on this huge riff, but it, it sort of goes into this kind of spaced out, kind of um, disintegrated middle middle section, and then kind of builds itself back up with the original riff again. It, it's very kind of you know late sixties psychedelia infused rock and roll, mm. and that, that's there was all kinds of elements that. Are consistent between that and this. It's just that there's such a gap between that and this, but they've travelled such a distance that it's remarkable that they've been able to, to do an album that is consistent in their in their canon uh, without because they did an album a couple of years ago, which I'm pretty sure we did on the podcast, and it sucked. Yeah, yeah, we, it was no good. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. It was it was full of it was just soft ballads, and the other thing is that it's, that his voice didn't sound like this. Whereas he said the funny thing is there's a track on this. Um, is it um, everything far away? Where he starts out just just doing his I want to I want to say normal voice, but just not giving it the full, you know, the last ten percent of the, the, the throttle cable travel. Yeah, and he's almost got like a Nick Caveian kind of this kind of and it's like who's this guy? Do they got a different vocalist? Is this is this the drummer singing or something? And then as he sort of ramps up, you think, oh no, shit, this is the lead singer. He just finally opens up. Yeah. Um, so they could have had a very different career if, if he just used his voice differently, I suppose. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do. Yeah, I do agree with you. I think this is going to be the the legacy act of the year. That's for sure. That Crystal Method album was pretty good. Yeah, it was. It it's more that it was. Um, it was a bit not obvious. Not what I expected. Yeah. Well, no, it was actually. I, I, I don't know. It's just weird that they flipped the the order of those, right? It, it it really felt yeah. like this this year's album should have been first, and the other album should have come after, and it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, but I, I don't mind that so much. This is like the gritty prequel. Yeah, but it was. I felt the problem I had with it wasn't wasn't that it was out of sequence. Was that it just felt a little bit too obviously. We're going to make a prodigy slash Chemical Brothers big beat club album from 1998, and there's nothing mm. you can do about it, kind of stuff. And while it was extremely good, it was also very consciously that. And I'm not sure whether me feeling that about it makes it a worse album, if that makes sense. Is it, just get yeah. over your feelings and enjoy the fucking album. Seems to be the response I should have to that. 
Yeah. But that's a thing. That's a discussion I need to have with myself uh, around December, January uh, of, of the coming New Year period. <laughs> that's right. In a hammock with a beer. So the second album for the week was one that you recommended to me. And Orgoon I, by uh, Lost Nights. So what's missing from this album, right? Because I listened to this and I'm like, I should love this. I should really fucking love this album. And I... And I, I'll get out of the way. I did. I thought this was great. Okay. I, I, I don't know what, whether it was just my mood or, or what it was, but I could not fucking... Like, I liked it, but... I expected, especially after the first track, I'm like, oh, this is right in my wheelhouse. You know, this is going to be fucking ace. And I just could not get my head into this album. Maybe it is just simple. Which is odd because I felt that it was the album, the whole album was of a of a tone. It was it was a continuum. There wasn't really a great difference between the tracks. It was it was very consciously late '60s. Even in the production yeah. and even in the way that they recorded the vocal, it, it felt it had that kind of very. Um, not a much, a very kind of late sixties soul funk kind of feel to it, but they've written some fantastic, some delightful bangers. Um, with a, you know, a little bit of soul funk and psychedelia and stuff, and you can see why they get called in to collaborate with people. And maybe that's the thing it's missing, is that you? It's a bit like the way that you um, found the Gentlemen's Dub Club solo stuff fell short of the stuff that they did in collaboration with the next men. You kind of need that extra bit of collaboration, yeah. that extra element to it to make it work. Whereas I've spent a lot of time listening to late 60s, early 70s rock metal, you know, the very early heavy metal, you know, like Deep Purple. Because elements of this sound like Deep Purple. But, um, you know, Hendrix and very early Sabbath and Zeppelin and Cream and, you know, or even, you know, late fucking stones and stuff like that. Um, and this this feels like this, this feels like a warm hoodie. It, it feels very very familiar. <laughs> and they're re- and they're really well written stuff too. They've written some beautiful songs. So I was going to say that the Zibs album was my the album I jo- enjoyed the most this I, week. I don't think that's true. Do you know why? Because the Zibs why? album the Zibs is what we listened to last week, and it was the worst album that oh. we'd listened to in a long time. There's Am I mixing my albums up? I think you're thinking of Endboss. Ah, sorry, sorry. My bad. My bad, my bad. <laughs> For bad, me bad. to edit that out in post. Yeah, yes, please. I'm I won't. Endboss, a bunch of, of fucking Wellington metalheads. I, um, so this is kind of melodic metal. It's kind of big, crashy, doomy riffs, but without that fucking, that kind of, you know, catastrophic bowel movement vocal. And I think yeah, that added was- so much to it by not having the... Just having uh, a really excellent female vocal as an additional musical instrument elevates this stuff so... Without making it kind of Evanescent-style emo fucking bullshit, it was actually... That actually added to it massively, I thought. Well, is it is it simply the, the fact that you don't have, like, a... Like with with that and with the um, really broad Australian, like not the chats. What's the what's the Adelaide band that uh, Bad Dreams is it? You know where I get to a point where it's like I can only do it in chunks because of the vocal. You know the the vocal is just so punishing that to listen to the rest of the stuff around it, I have to do it in chunks. Whereas if you if you take that away and you put replace it with something else it's like well then you can listen to the whole album and sort of appreciate it as a whole thing 
But you also have a counterpoint because her, her vocal versus the... And it, it's that kind of big, chunky, kind of... Um, it's almost like a melodic sludge. It, it's it's yeah. got that big sort of sludgy, very low, almost like Alice in Chains-style riffage. Um, but with the... With the, the kind of melodic vocal line, it kind of it gives them more to play with. I thought this was a really well put together album. None of the tracks actually bounced out to me as being unique or special or, or above the element. But I suppose that actually makes it better as an album. But in my head, this is actually the worst album of the week. But it probably would have won album of the week three out of the last five weeks, just because I've, I've genuinely loved all the albums we had this week. Yeah, I was going to say, this This is a week that's going to get a, a heavy revisit throughout the year. Mm. To, to like, These are all on my long list for the end of the year. And they're all, um, and they're all very... Di- the, the nice thing is that they're different albums from each other. So I, yeah. I really enjoyed jumping from one... Because often you... Pretty quickly in the week, you get a, you get into the rotation, you're like, oh, I don't really want to listen to that one again. I'll just skip between the, the albums I like. Mm-hmm. If, if, if things go badly, you're like, I think I'll just listen to my release radar. I don't. I think I've already figured out what my opinions yeah, are. Yeah, it's like, oh, I need to I need to search for some new songs, new albums for next week. <laughs> I, I need I need to, I need to do better next time, basically. But no, I I really enjoyed this week, um, and not just because these are <laughs> in a way these are all my picks, and that's narcissism cutting through but I'd, uh, every one of these albums gave me something slightly different and I really and I've had the opportunity to do a few set, uh, you know not long road trips but you know hour long road trips with the pup uh, yeah, going down to remote beaches and getting the car bogged and shit which was not a great idea but move on uh, but it's it's been good to put tunes on and, and just you know cruise and you know, I'm out the window recuperating from the, from the life that we all live uh, yeah probably our second best week of the year I think overall what was her best week Oh, there was one. There was one particularly good one. I was hoping you'd remind me because I was thinking. I, I know I've had a good one before, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, the, 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 there's one week where we were just like, oh, this. We had a couple of weeks in a row where we had really good albums. Like there was the, the Black Keys week, and there was there was um, the Bob Villain week. But I don't think we had. I don't know if we've had a week where all three albums were like, yep, I, I, I want to hear well, these again <laughs> at the pointy end of the year. It definitely wasn't the Kendrick Lamar week. That's for sure. I reckon no. I'm pretty confident on no. Did we do Bob Villain and Black Keys in the same week, though? I thought they were a week apart, but I might think even might be thinking. Uh, I, I could look it up. I should look it up. On. I can look it up. I just have looked it up. Internet is waiting for me. Internet is waiting for me. Come on, you fucking clown! No, Did we do Crystal Method and Brassy in the same week? Maybe. Yeah, but no, that, I, I'm not counting Brassy because that was a that was not a a new album. That was a. Uh, a visitor from the past with messages for the future. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like there was just like I got a, I got a memory of us going fuck. That was a you know a really good week. We'll be lucky to have a week that that good again, um, which we just had. So, oh, uh, we did Jack White and Wet Leg the same week. That was a good week. Okay, yeah, we had uh, the Crystal Method and Warm Dusha the same week, which was a that was. That was a. I remember the Warm Dusher album was like, we can't make this the album of the week, but is there some kind of award we can give it? Because it's hilarious and ridiculous. Um, and we the Bob Villain was the same week as um, the Ocean Grove album, which I don't think you like that much. But yeah, the um, no. nah, Black Keys was separate. Stone up. No, nah, I'd. Re- I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is our best album, a best week of consistency. Because we haven't had, um, we certainly haven't had three um, 
yeah, three not- albums that have been all like I would gladly bounce between these for a week. And if and if we decided not to, we're recording a little bit later this week, this weekend, folks. And uh, if we decided not to bother, I would have been perfectly happy. I think <laughs> I'll just, I'll just have these for another week, and I'll get I'll do it again on Friday. Um. All right. What have you got that is new? What are we doing for next week? Um. Well, I think we should roll with um. There's a bit like that that Bob villain. Um. A couple of um. A Londoner's called um the Nova Twins. Uh, more agit. Art punk than than hip hop, but again a couple of um, uh, non white people. I'm trying to think of the right. I'm, uh, in every phrase I keep trying to think of to use to describe them, uh, it feels racist. But uh, a couple of black chicks from London uh, who do uh, punk metal pop, I suppose is the best way to describe it. Uh, and I, I saw it in the um, in the Guardian of all places. Wow. And then I then I saw that saw that they've been slotted into my release radar as well. So it's like this is a conspiracy. Um, so this is a little bit sight unheard, but um, then again, Bob Villain was a bit like that too. Although I'd been tracking him for a few years, I'd seen that they'd done a few singles and thought they might be good to good to get into at some stage. So the Nova Twins, I think their album's called Supernova. So I'm going to go they look a bit like the the evilest timeline Veronicas. <laughs> Which I'm sure they wouldn't th- they wouldn't be thrilled about me describing them as. <laughs> that'd make that'd make a good movie actually. The evil timeline Veronica's. Oh yeah, um, hold on to that thought. It might actually work out quite well as an album as a um, album review. Uh, I'm going to go with a dude called Kale and Ellis. The album is called The Funk Will Prevail. He's a bit of a. Uh, I, I guess he's another one of those producer types that. You know, does lots lots of collaborations with other people and writes music for other people, and then you know, flips the switch and does his own thing with the same people that collaborate with him coming in to to guest on his album. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I have no idea where I found that one. Uh, and I have. I suspect it was because you listen to albums like the album that we just picked, the All Gone album, because it, it seems like the same kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I do. I do have one that I wanted to throw out for a Joker. Um, well, the way I see it, um, I got three picks last week, so maybe you should have the Joker. So there's a, a band kicking around called Black Pumas, which are uh, I don't know a pair of shoes. They're a bit Gary Clarkish, a bit Michael Kiumana, who we've done really in that. Yeah, I don't know how to describe Black Pumas. Black Pumas. One million nine hundred and sixty-eight five hundred ninety-six monthly listeners, and that's important to know. They haven't got a new album. No, no. So the guitarist from the Black Pumas is doing a, uh, like he's doing a psychedelic Latin side project with a whole bunch of, um, uh, sort of. I guess big, a, a little bit like um, Bonavista's Social Club was doing you know, in, in promoting a whole heap of very professional artists in a genre that doesn't normally see mainstream, uh, the, the mainstream light, I guess. So he Fans also got- like Duran Jones and the Indications. So Paul and the Broken mm. Bones. Yeah, I, okay. I can see how you ended up with these guys. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's a little bit, a little bit of, 
Texas soul, a little bit of psychedelia, but a lot of probably Latin vocals. I would say we're going to get a heap of Spanish Latin vocals in this, which is why I picked wanted to pick it as a Joker album. I don't think it's it's probably going to be um, applicable enough to be a, a you know a, a standard album of the week. Um, but yeah, it sounds sounds really interesting. So. Um, Let's give that a go. And the album is called Boleris Psychedelic Delicos, Delicos, which I guess is something psychedelic in in Spanish. Adrian Quesada with Boleros Psychedelicos. Oy, 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 oy. Oh, yeah, that. that's better. And El muchacho de las tristes. What the fuck are we doing with this? The Adrian Casada story. He is the white guy from um, that band from Black, Black Pumas. Black Pumas, yeah. Black Pumas is pretty cool. I think he's I like Mexican. Him, so. He's also plays in Brownout, which is one of those covers bands that plays, I think, a lot of brassy versions of shit. All right. Uh, he's actually a Mexican American kid. He grew up in Texas, yeah. so he's like a yeah. Shea Serrano style. <laughs> he's the yeah. he's the Shea Serrano of the music world. Yes. Uh, just to just to link it completely back to our basketball co- podcast for the the most right, hardcore Serrano's balls now fucking pop. TV show fucking yeah yeah writer and everything so yes star is rising all right well let's hope we get another week like last week doc because that was pretty good we won't um, but no. you know sometimes you get no. uh, you, you get fucking lightning in a bottle and if we get anything out of it that is quite good you know we'll see how we go it will be lovely yeah well. Uh, I had a very nice conversation at this party last night with someone that actually wasn't drinking, which made it even more surprising. And she came up. Was to it me nice goes, for her? Because often, well, you remember those conversations as being great, and the sober person is like, "I'm just going to humor this drunk asshole." And just oh no, no, I was, I was, I was sober as well. Vanessa was drinking. I was driving home. Oh, um, okay. But she came up and she goes, "Okay, explain the podcast to me." And I'm like, "And." And so I, I took a deep breath to try and explain it. And she goes, and and how long have you been doing it? And where did you start? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to take a lot longer. First, I started with the food. But it's not. It's just a, we just turned our shit conversations on Twitter into a podcast. That's all. Well, no, you really have to you, you really have to start with cheesy, though, because, like, the well, first episode. Well, if you, you want to go back that po- far, this, you kind of have to go, yeah. look, there was this this network of blogs called, oh, built yes. around fucking, what was it? What word? Um Oh, I wasn't actually part of it. Yeah, but but it was a whole network of bloggers back in the fucking the middle aughts, yeah. uh, and they all kind of congregated around John Birmingham's um, the comments of John Birmingham's fucking articles because you know yeah. a lot of the same blogging community had built up there and would pop in to kind of because obviously the, the more comments that were press. on these things helped help you know interactions and all that sort of stuff engagement. Uh, and that's kind of where that where that came from. No, well, I, I started with cheesy because I thought well, at least that's the you know that's the sort that's of an podcast. entry point. That's how I that's how I got into podcasting, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought you meant in terms then, of the uh, how you started podcasting, but also how Mother Fakasha was probably the start to was yeah, kind of the blog equivalent of that. The the the, the collaboration style. Yeah, yeah. It, it was the first collaboration we've done. Um, and then, and then and then I was like. And you know, we had some beers and talked some some basketball after the food, and then we started a basketball podcast, and then we started talking music after the basketball podcast, and then yeah, we but the basketball kind of a lot because we were already both watching basketball 
we'd kind yeah. of both been we both started watching a lot more basketball in the early 2010s independently of each other, and we started talking about that on Twitter. That evolved out mm. of Twitter conversations because I remember feeling a a kind of a suggestion that you know you guys should. You know, if you took those conversations take, and turned them on a podcast, take your stick. can take you get that shit off my Twitter timeline and on a podcast <laughs> where I don't have to hear it? No, it was more, you know, we would listen to that, to this to this bit, this kind of weird fucking, uh, you know, Stadler and Waldorf old men shouting at clouds kind of shit that you're doing. And, and, then I, and then I had to explain, and we used to do it under a lot more influence of alcohol, and now we're actually reasonably professional and it's a good podcast, but- I None of these people listen. I don't think that you know. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we're that much drunker. I just think we just didn't know what we were doing. Uh, I, I was definitely a lot drunker. I used to have rancid hangovers after the podcast day. Yeah, I've like I've, I've given up really, really fucking bad ones. And now, you know, occasionally if it's it's a really good podcast and I'm I'm, I'm smashing back some uh, you know pools winning scotch, yes. which always makes you feel good. Um, like I'll I'll feel a little bit dusty the next day, but not like I used to. Like you know, in the early days, that's for sure. It, it, it told in the in the audio. <laughs> it was pretty sketchy. Back back when we used to have a filter for the cicadas. We need a filter for our content. Yeah. All right, Zoc. Lovely to chat to you, even right. if it was later in the weekend yeah. than normal. School night. That's all right, man. As I, as I said on the basketball podcast, we're in the taint of the year. There's fucking. There's- yeah. If, if something suddenly drops overnight, it'll be a massive surprise. All right. I'll catch you later. Cheers, man. Bobby Villain is a tremendous fucking tweeter. He tweets, Never did I think a Beatle would have a direct impact on my life. Our performance of Wicked and Bad on BBC2 will be on a bit later because a Beatle was given free reign and decided to play for ages. And he's had to quote tweet this with, For everyone crying, But he's a legend! SpongeBob font. I didn't say anything bad about the Beatle, but I do find it kind of mind-blowing that the man whose ex-wife's sausages <laughs> occupy my freezer has had a direct impact on my life. That sounds like... It sounds like a metaphor, but it's it can't be because be I was trying to explain Bob Villain to some people at a party last night. It's just like you, you get to a point What's where you like it's like Rage Against the Machine, except it's two black kids just, from just go and listen, London. Just go and listen to it. You'll you'll have some fun. Yeah, understand everything that that has happened to Britain in the last several hundred years, and uh, and it'll make perfect yeah, sense as long as you got a a fairly strong grasp on British history, you'll be fine. But you should have seen her mind blow when uh, I said we listen to, you know, between 120 and 150 new albums a year. She's like, like, a year? (laughs) But not all of them would be good. And I'm like, oh, no, no. A fair fair chunk of them are very bad. But you only listen to them once.